Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thank you for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering business side of sports. This is Sports Business Radio. I'm Nathan Roach. I'm substituting for Brian Berger in the big seat this week as he's off in the Philippines with the head coach of the Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra. Great show for you today. In segment three, we're going to catch up with Maury Brown. He's with the Biz of Baseball. We're going to talk about Hall of Fame inductions, MLB TV on your iPhone, and the possibility of Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. He's going to tell us all about that as, as well as some trade deadlines that are coming up. In segment four... We have our sweet success segment, but we're also going to talk about Brett Favre and the big decision he made this week about whether or not to stay in the NFL or leave the NFL for good. So you want to stay tuned and hear that segment. Visit our Sports Business Radio blog, sportsbusinessradio.com. It's a great time to log on there. You can hear all about Brian's trip right now over in the Philippines. You can also follow him on Twitter as he's trying to tweet as much as he possibly can wherever he's getting service over there in the Philippines. I'm joined in studio by Bobby Corser. Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Nathan. Bobby, we talked about this a couple months ago, or I guess it probably was about a year ago, when they were tearing down the old Yankee Stadium, but everybody wondered what items were going to go up for sale, the auction items, and some of them went on sale this week. Bobby, tell us about them. You know, it's funny. Steiner Sports has come out and said they're going to put about 700 items up for auction, anywhere from the dugout, bat holder to a sign that has something to do with the 26 Yankee World Championships. They gave players and former players a chance to go in and buy stuff that they want, you know, without having to worry about going to auction. So a couple of players have already come out and done that. Jason Giambi and Hideki Matsui both bought their lockers for 50 grand. 50 grand for their locker. I know, it's it's nuts. Reggie Jackson bought his locker, but they won't tell us how much he spent on it, along with about 30 pairs of seats. So he's going to have a piece of Yankee Stadium to always remember it by. And, you know, listen, that's kind of cool. I think it's a great idea. Bobby, if you had a choice of one piece of Yankees history, what would you buy? You know, that's a really good question. I think if you could buy it home plate Ooh. or not something out on the fence, I think that would probably be my choice. See, I like the seats. I would love to have the seats down in my man room. Well, that would be perfect. Yankee Stadium seats, it's probably the only thing I'd ever buy that was Yankees. Anyway, great show. Coming up next, we have the Sports Business Radio headlines. And then in segment four, we're going to be joined by Maury Brown. He's with the Biz of Baseball. A lot going on. The trade deadline. So you definitely want to stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back with headlines. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. This is Sports Business Radio. Welcome back to Sports Business Radio, and it's time for the Sports Business Radio headlines sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Number one, the headline this week, and it should come as no surprise, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell this week lifted the indefinite suspension of quarterback Michael Vick in hopes of granting him full reinstatement by week six at the latest, and he could possibly be reinstated sooner. He says he's thought about every alternative, but he thinks that this gives Vic the best chance for success. What we need to watch here, Bobby, is whether or not anybody's going to pick him up now he's been reinstated, which I have to say that I'm pretty surprised about. I thought there'd be some sort of suspension or penalty. I'm I'm excited to see Vic play again. I think that uh, he served his time. But the question is, is is anybody going to want to pick Michael Vick up at this point? You know, I think Adele reinstated him into the league, knowing full well that no team is going to touch him for the first four weeks. And essentially, that's the penalty, I think. And, you know, listen, any team can pick him up. But the PR nightmare that goes right along with Vic, regardless if he served his time, regardless if he's, you know, completely rehabilitated, doesn't matter. Because nobody is going to want, you know, PETA, the dog-loving people, any of those groups that have constantly bombarded the NFL with stuff saying don't reinstate him, no team wants to deal with that. Well, what would be interesting to watch as well is let's say a team does pick him up. It'll be interesting to see how the sponsors of that team react. I don't know that we'll see any major sponsors drop off, but we could see some smaller sponsors say, you know what? I don't want to be associated with Michael Vick, whether he served his time or not. And the way the economy is going, I don't think NFL teams can honestly afford to have sponsors dropped right now. Well, Vick's done a great job. I mean, since he's gotten out, he's surrounded himself with good people. Uh, Tony Dungy has agreed to continue to work with Vick as an advisor and a mentor. And when you're talking about a guy like Tony Dungy, who's so well-respected in the league and around the league, you have to assume that Vick is on the path to rehabilitation. But I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with Michael Vick. Headline number two, Lance Armstrong almost won the Tour de France. Well, I shouldn't say almost. He got beat down pretty good. But he did finish third in the Tour de France, lost Alberto Contador, who won the Tour. But it's not all bad for uh, Lance. Radio Shack last week announced that it's going to partner with Lance Armstrong to form a brand-new U.S.-based pro cycling team. Armstrong, beginning next year, will compete for Team Radio Shack as a cyclist, a runner, and a triathlete, including events like the Tour de France. He'll likely be part of the new Radio Shack marketing effort in August as the retailer relaunches its brand. And along with Radio Shack, everyone knows that Lance is associated with Nike. And Aaron Dobson, who's the director of corporate communications for Nike, has said that they are committed to be the footwear and apparel sponsor for Team Radio Shack, said that members of the team will be required to wear Nike footwear and apparel in competition unless they already have pre-existing sponsorships. Bobby, are you surprised to see Lance Armstrong back, coming back again in the Tour de France? And what do you think of Team Radio Shack as opposed to his team this year? You know, he had so much, you know, stuff that we never saw with the team this year. And, you know, we've seen reports in the last few days coming out saying him and Contador did not get along whatsoever. But, you know, for the sake of the team, they worked it out and worked out the problems. Listen, anytime you get Lance in the Tour de France, numbers are going to be huge in the U.S., even though it's on Versus, and we all know how much we love Versus in the studio. But... Nike is committed. T 
Team Radio Shack is committed, I think it's a win-win across the board for everybody involved. Well, I think what will be interesting to see as well is, is this year you had two contenders on the same team, and when they started the race, there was some speculation as to who was going to be the guy that everyone else was going to support. Now, we saw that Lance became a team player, took third-place finish, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's the lone guy next year for the Tour de France for Team Radio Shack. Headline number three, good news for the PGA. Phil Mickelson is going to return next week at the WGC Bridgestone Invitational. He, of course, took time off to be with his family while his wife, Amy, was battling breast cancer. Uh, Mickelson has won twice this year, including the WGCCA Championship at Doral, but has not played since a runner-up finish at the U.S. Open at Beth Plage Black last month. He wasn't sure how long it was going to take him to come back this year. Bobby, this is great for the PGA. The PGA saw Tiger Woods out for nearly a year, and to have Phil Mickelson, arguably the second biggest name in PGA, come back could mean some increased ratings for the PGA. Especially if he's in contention during the weekend. That's huge. The fact that they still have Tiger, though, I mean, Tiger will draw everybody. This is just kind of icing on the cake for them. Well, yeah, and Mickelson has played 12 events with six top 10 finishes. He's earned more than $3.8 million and ranks sixth right now in the FedEx Cup standings. Headline number four, the PGA Tour is expected to announce a new title sponsor and venue for the event, bringing an end to the automaker's 51-year run with the Michigan event, which is the PGA's longest partnership. Now, Tiger Woods is, in fact, going to play in the Buick event this week. I find it kind of strange. Tiger Woods, they went separate ways, Buick and Tiger did. And, of course, Buick has been struggling financially. What do you think about this? This is a trend we've talked about for a long time, seeing sponsorships either fade away, either get dropped, or choose not to uh, come back the following year. Buick is a significant part of the PGA. You know, we started talking about this last year, and we thought there'd be some NASCAR races canceled or scaled back. And, in fact, there is, and we'll talk about that coming up next in our next headline. But anytime that you have a sponsor drop a golf tournament, it's not good. And the PGA now has to scramble, find another sponsor. They have to contribute money to it. The economy is that bad right now. Hopefully it's going to turn around. We're seeing signs that possibly it is. But anytime you lose a sponsorship to a golf tournament, it is not good news. Well, golf and tennis rely so heavily, all sports do, but golf and tennis primarily rely so heavily on these sponsorship deals that if they lose one, it could mean the end of an event. And and like you said, headline number five transitions right into that. Allstate is not going to renew the title sponsorship of its NASCAR event at the Brickyard 400. Bobby, the resident racing expert, what does this mean? This seems like a bigger deal, obviously, than the Buick golf deal. And, you know, it's funny you say that because Allstate has been with NASCAR and the Brickyard for the NASCAR race since day one. So it's always been that, you know, it's always been the insurance guy. The fact now that you don't have it, you don't have that brand recognition, you don't have the sponsorship, it leaves NASCAR now having to look for something else. And it's just, again, no sponsorships, not good, because now the entity has to pay money to promote itself, and that is never good. Well, yeah, and a company like Allstate, they have to decide, okay, the times are tough. Who are we going to sponsor? Where are we going to invest our sponsorship dollars? And they've come out and said that they want to invest it more heavily in college football and stick with college football, which from a rating standpoint, especially at this point in the game, NASCAR ratings down is a good move. Yeah, but the nice thing is this race will go on. IMS came out this week and said, listen, regardless of the sponsorship, we're still going to hold the race here. We saw over the weekend, stands were packed, numbers on TV were pretty decent, so without tire sponsorship, it hurts, but the race will still go on. Our next headline, soccer continuing to gain popularity in the United States. Baltimore 
has never looked brighter as far as the uh, World Cup potential is concerned. They had a sellout crowd of 71,203 at Friday's Chelsea AC Milan World Football Challenge exhibition match. I got to say, Bobby, I turned this game on and I could not believe how many people were at this game. And, you know, one of our headlines coming up is to talk about the World Cup possibly coming back. So it's good to see soccer on the up and up. And obviously it's popular enough with foreign teams coming to the U.S. I compare it to NFL teams going over and playing in London. So a huge deal for soccer. Absolutely. Anytime that you can get an internationally renowned soccer team to come in and play in the U.S., you're going to draw TV numbers and you're going to get fans to go see them live. Listen, Baltimore couldn't have asked for a better event. The weather was great. Both teams had their passionate fans in the stands. It didn't get any better than that. And listen, ESPN must be loving it because the numbers were huge. Oh, yeah. And especially with uh, all the, the deals that have been going on with ESPN and MLS over the last year, this is great news for soccer. Transitioning well to our next headline, the U.S.'s chances of hosting the 2018 World Cup are looking pretty good. FIFA President Sepp Blatter yesterday said that the U.S. has a great chance of hosting the 2008 World Cup if soccer's governing body adheres to its principle of rotating. So, Bobby, when did, we saw the World Cup here, what, about a decade ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it did ex- extremely well. And like we just talked about with uh, Baltimore, I think that, that the U.S. has a legitimate chance of getting the World Cup, at least in 2018, possibly 2022. You know, the fact that we have MLS now and the fact that we have all these stadiums that are dedicated to soccer most of the year bodes very well. The fact that in MLS attendance is up, TV numbers are decent. Listen, if you're not going to bring the World Cup to the U.S. in the next 10 to 20 years, seriously, I think there's something wrong because the popularity of soccer in the U.S. is on fire. Well, and especially how well the U.S. soccer team's been doing. People are starting to pay attention. Changing gears. The American Airlines and the Rams signed a three-year practice jersey deal. They signed a sponsorship with American Airlines under which the airline would step up several levels by including the practice jersey patch. Uh, Also, American will receive all of the team's charter business while tripling their marketing spend. The airline gets use of the Rams' email and text messaging marketing programs, fixed and electronic stadium signage, and other team-controlled media. In addition, American will have gate agents, I love this, on the ground, personally decked out in Rams apparel every Sunday during the NFL season at Lambert St. Louis International Airport. So another example of uh, teams looking for money whenever they can find it. I find it ironic that American Airlines, of all companies, is uh, choosing to sign this kind of deal, but uh, we'll keep you posted on any future deals. Coming up next, we're joined by Maury Brown. He's with the Biz of Baseball. There's a lot going on this week, so you want to stay tuned. Some Hall of Fame, possibly Pete Rose, and the trade deadline. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. I've got a confession to make. I'm a sucker for good ice cream. There's nothing better than watching a sporting event while enjoying an ice cream cone, or better yet, fixing an ice cream sundae with my daughter. Lucky for me, I found an indulgent ice cream at an affordable price. Moose Tracks ice cream comes in a variety of flavors, including chocolate moose tracks, extreme moose tracks, mint moose tracks, and of course, original moose tracks, just to name a few. What's my favorite moose tracks ice cream flavor? It's chocolate moose tracks which is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter cups and famous Moose Tracks fudge. For a chocoholic and peanut butter lover like me, it's heaven. What's your favorite Moose Tracks flavor? To find the Moose Tracks branded store nearest you, 
Check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. That's M-O-O-S-E-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Or find the Moose Tracks banner on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Moose Tracks Ice Cream, the official ice cream of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, we're back, and we're joined by Maury Brown. He's with the Biz of Baseball and certainly a friend to Sports Business Radio. Maury, how you doing? Guys, it's great to have have me on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, let's let's launch right into this right now because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And the first is something that I'm really excited about, and we've talked about this for the past couple years on the show, how how it's really changing how we watch sports. You're able to watch streaming video on your iPhone on the computer. We've seen it with the Masters. We've seen it with the NCAA tournament. Now we're really starting to see it with Major League Baseball. And MLB TV, if you're a subscriber to the, to the MLB TV network, you're able to watch these streaming games, as many games as you want. Can you talk a little bit about what that means for baseball and kind of what encompasses, what's part of that whole package? Well, sure. I mean, the application is called At Bat 2009. I imagine it'll be 2010 next year. But um, the the application was about ten bucks for the season, and you know, it's continued to to morph and grow as this application has kind of you know matured along the way. First, they were offering just like Pitch FX, where you could basically see where the pitches were. Then they added game day audio, where you could get the home and away radio feeds, which was fantastic. And now we have this new deal where we have streaming video for basically out-of-market games. So, you know, irrespective of, of blackouts, you're going to be able to watch games on your mobile device, which is really fantastic for, you know, those that may be commuting or if you're standing in line at the grocery store. It's a fantastic way to watch games. You're still going to be able to get two, up to two games a day for free, even if you're not an MLB TV subscriber. But as you mentioned, if you're subscribed to MLB TV or MLB TV Premium, you're going to get their full list of games for out-of-market games. So it's really a fantastic thing for the hardcore baseball fan. It's really reasonable um, in some senses, you know, given if you already are watching it on your computer. And, it's, and that's the thing. I mean, you basically can go out. I've really I've been stuck in traffic and have been able to sit there and watch some games. And it's been fantastic. Burley's, you know, his game that we just had the other night is no hitter. His perfecto was was something that I watched. So um, it's just a fantastic thing to have. Maury, how long do you think it will be until Major League Baseball just comes along and says, you know what? Regardless if you subscribe to MLB TV or even extra innings, we're just going to stream the games to this application, all of them available, regardless of anything. How long do you think it's going to be? Well, you know, I don't know because the revenue streams are so substantial with this. You know, they're they're trying to get you basically to subscribe to MLB TV. And then you purchase the app, which is like, what, $10 a year. Mm-hmm. So it is one of those things to where I don't know if you're going to be able to see that. Um, it, it, you know, getting it to the point where the cost of basically purchasing the application would get you in wholesale to see every game. Um, I think that's how they're getting around it. If you kind of overpriced yourself for the application for iPhone, I think that would kill a lot of people to purchase it. By having them separated like that, you can basically get the revenues from MLB TV. You can get the the revenues from AtBat, and it really, I think, works well with each other. More, how does the video look? I, I haven't subscribed to it yet. I know when I first had my iPhone and some of these live streaming sporting events were going on, it was a little spotty at times, and it seems to have gotten better. This is obviously a much bigger deal. Do you find the glitches? I'm on the 3G network. I imagine you're on the same, or is it pretty? Is it pretty good? 
Well, it's pretty good, but I mean, you know, the one thing that's really difficult, the, the bugs or the, the score that's basically stuck above that sits on the screen that's letting you know what balls and strikes are, you, it's almost impossible to see it. It's too small. Um, and it does dither a little bit if you're on 3G. Now, I've hooked up, I've got mine set up to go to Wi-Fi in the house, and the video quality, it's dynamic. So if you go to Wi-Fi, the video quality actually gets better, which is a really cool thing. The video quality does get better at Wi-Fi. It's not perfect. I mean, let's get real. You're looking at it on an extremely small screen. But it is, you know, it is coming along, and it's something that I think in the future, you know, as this continues to develop, we're getting really close on computer to getting to broadcast quality. And I imagine just in a few years you're going to be getting to that level on mobile devices. You know, it, it is really amazing. And, you know, not that, you know, we talk a lot about how Major League Baseball is doing it. Who do you think will be the next network to kind of roll out this feature? My money's on the NFL. Yeah, and it might be the NFL. And, and this is a really difficult thing. I mean, baseball really has an advantage here over every other sport. I mean, you've got games that are played every day, and it really lends itself very well. It's a very statistically driven game. You've got a, a very hardcore fan base that are willing to watch every game. Uh, during the week, you know, so it does make it really difficult when you start talking about the price points. Is it really going to be made available? I'm beginning to wonder, I mean, you mentioned the NFL and that may be so they're already talking about rolling it out. Um, depending on if you have like a uh, direct TV package, you're going to get this online. Um, but I, I think maybe, maybe it, that uh, something like, you know, hockey or the NBA may start to flirt with it. They've been very active in trying to go, um, look at, at alternative media or look at different platforms to basically deliver upon. And so I think that those, those might be something. Hockey might be a bit difficult. I mean, it's just so fast-paced. The puck is small. Basketball might lend itself well, given, you know, how the, it fits to the screen. So I don't know. I think it's just a matter of time, though. I mean, you, you can't stop, you know, seeing that this is going to be something that's going to be moving to other sports properties in the future. It's just too... Um, lucrative for baseball, and they're really starting to make serious inroads in it. You know, this last past weekend, we had the Hall of Fame inductions, and the big news going into the Hall of Fame induction was the induction of Ricky Henderson, and his speech was great, but the news coming out of it was that all these guys in the Hall of Fame were basically pleading now with Bud Selig to, hey, let's reinstate Pete Rose. You know, we got we got to get him back into baseball. He was the guy for a while. You know, looking at that, now everybody's like, oh well, if he gets reinstated, they're going to put him in the in the you know in the Hall of Fame. Maury, just talk to us about the fact that what happens if you do, in fact, reinstate Pete Rose back into baseball? Well, I mean, it, it works a couple of ways. Just because they reinstate him doesn't mean he gets into the Hall of Fame. He'd have to be voted in. Now, so it could go a couple of different routes. And and let me preface this whole thing: why this is happening. You had Henry Aaron come out and say this, and Henry Aaron is. Bud Selig's basically his best friend, and he's somebody that's very tight in, in you know, the front office of the commissioner's office. So for him to say this was not something that was just done off the cuff. It was probably planned as much. As much. And for those that haven't really followed this, you're coming up on the 20th anniversary of Rose being banned from baseball. So it's going to you know, come up that it could be a black eye or something that's going to pull away from the Hall of Fame events and something that's going to be talked about for a good deal of time here in August if you do that. 
by reinstating him or basically saying he's eligible for reinstatement or eligible for the hall, it would allow the Veterans Committee to deal with this and vote him in. And the Veterans Committee has been extremely tough. They still haven't voted Marvin Miller in. And they've just been very difficult to vote people in. But the question I have is they're saying, well, it's 15 years, so he has to be eligible to be voted in by the Veterans Committee. Well, he's never been eligible. He's technically not been eligible. So if they go that route and kind of shift the rules around and make – and look, the, the Hall of Fame rules have shifted on this matter a number of times. If they do that, then the baseball writers could vote him in or uh, do the vote. And there I think he has a much better chance of getting in. But baseball I think is doing this because they realize it's a 20 – it's been 20 years. You've had the whole PED situation going on. You know, it's – it's like enough is enough, right? I mean, he deserves to be in the hall on on his playing merits, in my opinion. I don't think he should ever manage, but they could allow him to maybe be a, a roving instructor, a batting you know, coach, anything like that outside of being a manager in the dugout. I think that they would probably go for at this stage. Yeah, Maury, I was going to ask you, you mentioned uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Do you think that the steroid era has actually helped Pete Rose with the potential of not only getting back into Major League Baseball, but the Hall of Fame? I mean, we have all of these players who are kind of the black eye of baseball in the last 10 years with steroids, and Pete Rose was gambling on baseball, and that seems like a lesser charge to me. Is, is this helping him out? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it's helping him out. I mean, the game has completely changed. In the sense that you're basically talking about, you know, somebody that that bet, you know, he claims that he bet on everything. But let's say so he bet on the Reds. And so maybe he changed his pitching rotation. Maybe he altered a few things here or there. You know, that's bad. There's no doubt about it. But when you start to look about altering the game, if you look at the use of performance-enhancing drugs, I mean, this seems like a far greater crime to most everybody now at this point uh, compared to what Pete Rose did. I mean, is it a matter of, you know, a lesser of two evils? Yeah, I think you could make a very strong case for that now. So, yes, the the way that the game itself has changed, and when I say the game and the culture around the game has changed, absolutely this is working in Pete Rose's favor. You know, you we also heard this weekend the mention of the asterisk, and, you know, we had talked about this off air. You have a bunch of guys now that have been tied to performance-enhancing drugs or have been rumored to take them. They're coming up now that they're going to be eligible to be on the ballot how does the Hall of Fame deal with this? Well, I mean, and this is, you know, another thing that Henry Aaron mentioned. I mean, he was advocating, you know, everybody knows that there's a steroid or you're going to have this huge swath of time. You're going to have, you know, maybe a decade's worth of players. And so this is just going to continue to come up over and over and over. So do you say, all right, we vote them in or we allow them in, but we say, you know, that it occurred during this period of time and they were associated to uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Now, this is a fine line to walk because, you know, although Barry Bonds has been associated with it, he has not been found guilty of it. But there are some other guys up there. I mean, in 2011, you've got Rafael Palmero and you've got Benito Santiago coming up. You know, in 2013, you've got Bonds and you've got Sammy Sosa. Now, Sosa now has been uh, reportedly been part of the positive tests that came out of the 2003 survey tests. So this is just going to be this reoccurring churn that's going on. And I think baseball and the Hall of Fame are starting to go, well, look, you know, maybe there's a way around this. And, and as I said, none of this guarantees that the writers are going to vote them in. I mean, there's a huge faction of, of the Baseball Writers Association that doesn't want to vote anybody in, at least on the first ballot. They say, well, on the first ballot, I'm not voting anybody in. 
Well, look, Mark McGuire, they said that about Mark McGuire, and his numbers have remained, for the first two years that he was eligible, they were the same. He got about a 20% vote, and then they've started to actually tail off recently. So I think that if you're associated to performance-enhancing drugs, with some exceptions, it's almost a death kneel right now. So I think the asterisk is one way to try and get some of these guys in. Let's look forward to next year's ballot. A ton of guys coming in for the 2010 class. Can you give me one or two, maybe three names of guys who you think are going to be first ballot? Well, I don't know if you're going to get anybody. I mean, the guys that are, have a real potential to do it, well, Edgar Martinez is, is one. But, you know, he's bucking up against the designated hitter. And then and then you're going to sit there with Roberto Alomar is probably the other guy. And those two guys stick out in my mind as having a real strong possibility being the first guys up there that have a chance on the uh, being on the first time on the ballot of getting in. Now, whether they get in or not, I don't know. I mean, I think Edgar, you can make a pretty strong case for Edgar, but Edgar's situation is, you know, he's a DH. You know, he wasn't particularly strong when he did play at position. You know, he played third for a while, and he was, you know, nothing spectacular there. But he was very consistent. And as designated hitters go, I mean, you have to start to really think about it. So there's going to be a huge discussion around this next year. Do you – allow a designated hitter in to the Hall of Fame. And I think Edgar's one of those guys you have to really think about. More, let's change gears for a second, talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And I know, Brian, it's probably near and dear to his heart because we're Cubbies fans. You know, we've been talking to you for the past year about the sale of the Chicago Cubs, and we thought it was a done deal a couple months ago, and it doesn't appear to be the case now. The Cubs are still on the block. Where are we at with the sale of both Chicago Cubs and Wrigley Field? Well, I mean, you're, I think we're we're in the process right now. There's there was a debate going on with the Tribune Company about taking the Cubs and and basically filing bankruptcy for the Cubs. And this is sounds you know it sounds very dramatic, but in a lot of ways it isn't. What it would do is basically help facilitate getting this through uh, the bankruptcy courts because Tribune is in this under this massive amount of debt. Sam Zell has put the Tribune Company under. Um, Chapter 11 filing. And so that would help move the Cubs, Wrigley Field, and this 25% stake in Comcast Sportsnet Chicago and help move that through. And the reason for this is there's a couple of reasons for this. One, it's been languishing out there for quite a while. You've got two bids that have basically been submitted to the bankruptcy court and to Major League Baseball for them to look at. One is Thomas Ricketts, and the other one is a guy named Mark Ute. So they submitted both of them, but everybody seems to think that Ricketts is the guy still. He's still trying to basically pull together all the creditors and basically get all this money together. It's a huge amount of money. But he has his family backing. His father, Joe, is a founder for TD Ameritrade. So there's a lot of money involved and cash involved in this deal to basically help move this thing forward. Sam Zell will continue to own a, per, a percentage of the Cubs, um, and this is being done for tax purposes. If he retains an ownership piece, he's able to get around some, the capital gains tax. And to put this in perspective, if the deal had gone for a billion dollars like they were initially talking about before the recession tanked everything, he would have saved somewhere in the neighborhood of $450 million in taxes by remaining a minor, keeping a minority ownership stake in, this, in the Cubs. So – um, that's where we're at. It's it has to be gone through the through the courts. Baseball also have to approve it. We're coming up on the calendar here in August. It's the quarterly owners meetings, and so for the owners to basically approve this deal, seventy five percent of them have to vote in favor. They want to try and do this in August. So 
it's possible if they do this bankruptcy filing, it helps expedite it through the court system, gets it into baseball's hands in, uh, in August for their quarterly meetings, and you might expect to see this whole saga finally come to an end sometime in late August. Hey, Mario, we're, we're running real tight here, but one last question for you. Trade deadline's coming up. you see anybody making any big moves? I know the talk has been about Holiday in Toronto, but do you see anybody else making any news that's going to make a splash? Well, I mean, there's a, not, a whole lot of talk going along about Cliff Lee right now, and he could move into any no, uh, number of places. But I, I really want to focus back on the holiday deal because I think J.P. Ricciardi may have really overstepped himself on this one. You know, there's been some talk that uh, that you know they had that deal for Philly. They really stuck on that, and now they might not be able to move it. The other guy to maybe watch is Jared Washburn with the Mariners. There's been some talk about maybe moving him to the Yankees. Um, I don't know. I mean, his stock is exceptionally high right now. I don't know if it's going to, you know, go down next year or whether they're basically thinking that his, you know, you want to basically move while the iron is hot. But he's the other guy probably to watch out there. So I'd watch Holiday, Cliff Lee, and Jared Washburn, all pitchers right now. Maury Brown with the Biz of Baseball. Maury, thanks. It's always great to have you on the show. Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll catch up soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. Welcome back to Sports Business Radio, and certainly some big news this week in the NFL. The one, the only, Brett Favre has decided that he is going to stay retired after months and months of decision-making. I can't say that this is a big surprise for me, and I wouldn't be surprised if Brett Favre decides that he wants to come back. Bobby, what do you think of Brett Favre's decision? Is this a good decision for him? Is is this good for the NFL? You know, it's good for the NFL. And, you know, I feel bad for the Viking fans that really wanted to come back. And I feel bad for all the players that spent all their time text messaging and, you know, sending them tweets. Hey, come back, come play with us. But listen, I'm glad now that I don't have to wake up every morning and read about the newest development in the Brett Favre saga. It's just, listen, last summer was bad enough. And the fact that we had to relive it this summer. I'm glad he's not coming back. Well, let me ask you this, though. Can Brett Favre still play? He, he clearly showed that he still has uh, the skills to be on the field with these guys, and I can't say that there's not a part of me that would love to see him come back the same way that there was a part of me that loved seeing Michael Jordan come back. The problem is, is eventually they get to a point where they come back, and they're not Brett Favre, and they're not Michael Jordan, and, and that's, that's what's disappointing to me. So I, I think the league would love to have him there. Certainly from a jersey sales standpoint, it would be great. But uh, 
are you bummed to not see him play? Are you a big, are you a Brett Favre fan? Bobby? I am not, and as a Lions fan, listen, I could care less of him playing for the Packers, and I could care less of for him playing for the Vikings. But you know what? Listen, there were so many questions going around about if he could throw. We know he had the offseason surgery. We knew that the trainers from the Vikings were working out with him. But listen, anytime Brett's on the field, you have to pay attention to him because he's that kind of athlete. He's that kind of quarterback. I don't care if he's 75. You put Brett Favre on the field, he's still going to hurt you one way or the other. Oh, well, an interesting side note about the whole Brett Favre saga is just this week, right around the same time that Brett Favre announced that he would not be coming back, he a story came out that he recently filmed a TV spot for the Sears Blue Electronics crew that featured Favre, and he was agonizing over selecting a new LED television. It was kind of a play on his indecisiveness about whether or not to return to the league. Now, they filmed a number of different endings because obviously they shot this before he had made the decision whether or not he was going to come back. So it'll be interesting to see which one of the three endings actually plays out in this commercial. But it, it leads up to another question I have is Brett Favre, what does this do for his marketability now moving forward? You know, we see him in Wrangler commercials. Are we going to see Brett Favre in very many commercials after this? Or, or are we going to kind of see, is he one of those athletes? Or are we going to see right off into the sunset as far as marketability is concerned? Well, you know, his deal with Wrangler still has a couple of years. And, you know, you're mentioning his new series of commercials. If the company was smart, they put all three versions online. You know, they cut the correct version to air on TV, and that's fine. But put all three endings on, because I think that'd be kind of funny to see. You know, if Brett decided to come back, this is what you would have seen. If Brett decided to retire, this is what you see now. Or the alternate ending, which is, you know, if Brett Favre is going to maybe come back in three, four, five years. But listen, now that he's done, I think he needs to go back, make good with the Green Bay community, let them honor him the way they should have if he really would have retired and not come back and play for the Jets. Listen, it's still Brett's team. It's still his town. Let him ride out on the sunset and listen. Let's let's just induct him now into the Ring of Honor in Green Bay and call it good. Let let him be what Michael Jordan is to Chicago, even though he played for the Washington Wizards. You know, it's interesting though. Sears did say that they they hope their relationship with Favre lasts beyond one commercial, and they have an option for this to be a long term relationship. Now, that was said before Brett Favre announced that he was, in fact, going to stay retired. So we'll definitely keep you posted on how that one plays out. Bobby, I do tend to agree with you. He'll always be a Green Bay Packer, whether or not he played for the Jets, just like Michael Jordan will always be a Chicago Bill, whether or not Chicago Bill, Chicago Bull, whether or not he played for the Washington Wizards. And with that, I think it might be time for some success, Bobby. Success. I have great news for you. How sweet it is. Right on, sweet sister. Time to highlight a winning move from the world of sports business. Oh, man, that's sweet. Sports Business Radio presents Sweet Success. That'd be sweet. Brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. To find Moose Tracks at a store near you, check out the store locator at moosetracks.com. Well, college football is right around the corner Yet again, I can't believe it's already college football season. We're starting to talk about that. Our sweet success, brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream this week, is the SEC. We seem to talk about the SEC a lot on this show, but they're always in the media. The SEC Commissioner Mike Slive announced that the conference has inked a five-year extension through 2015 with the Georgia Tome for the venue to host the SEC football championship game. The game has sold out every year except for 1995 the year after its move to the georgia dome and why would you ever take it out of the georgia dome so this is 
great for the SEC. Are you surprised that it's sold out every single year? Are you surprised that they inked a new deal through 2015, Bobby? No, I'm not because, listen, the SEC championship game, nine times out of ten, will determine either the first place or the second place seed in the BCS championship game. I mean, that conference always has the powerful team. Listen, don't move it out of Atlanta. There's no reason to. You're selling it out. Why? And like he's, you know, Mike Slive said, why mess with a proven commodity? Why change it up a little bit? Listen, great for Atlanta and the economy. Great for the SEC because you now can market and say, listen, we're not moving this anytime soon. Atlanta, come here. Come see basically the first bowl game, if you want to call it that, because that's how big of a game it, it really is. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it really is a giant game. I would say it's probably second only to the national championship game. And like you said, Atlanta is a city that's accustomed to hosting events like this. And it's a perfect city you know, for hosting a big event like this, and you move it, it's kind of the if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. And there's certainly, we know, we don't have the dollars in front of us just yet. They're still working on those. But we know that this is a big deal, I imagine. Absolutely. And listen, if you can get teams in the SEC to travel well to Atlanta, which SEC fans are so passionate of, I mean, listen, you got teams like LSU, their fans travel so well, regardless of how well their team's doing. I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. And the fact that you can get fans like this now to travel to a constant destination and you know ahead of time, listen, we don't have to worry about having to book tickets for, you know, this city this year and then have to move it somewhere next year. You know you're going to Atlanta. It's so much easier to kind of schedule it out. But listen, the fans that travel are amazing and it's great for them. It's great for Atlanta, great for the SEC. I guess the question you have to ask is where else could it go? I mean, is is the Superdome a place that it would have gone where else would it go? I mean, it, it, you could send it anywhere, anywhere in the state of Florida. You could play it in Miami. You could play it, you know, in Tampa Bay. But listen, having it as a centralized location is great. It's just, it's just easier logistics-wise, easier. You all know that you're going to end up in Atlanta early December, possibly, you know, figure out who is going to play in the national championship. Yeah, because basically, the way it's gone the last couple years, the SEC is always a national contender, and so that's the semifinals, if you will, if there was a BCF playoff like all of us here on Sports Business Radio wish we had. That's the semifinal game right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, listen, it's great. And, you know, we're, we're kind of being the dead horse with it now. But, listen, the fact that the SEC got it done, got the deal signed, great for Georgia, great for the economy, great for the SEC and its teams. Well, that is our sweet success brought to you by Moose Tracks Ice Cream. Visit Moosetracks.com to find out where you can buy Moose Tracks ice cream. I just had some chocolate the other night, actually, with Brian. He invited me over for dinner, and it was delicious. Coming up next, we've got our final segment here on Sports Business Radio, and we always have an interesting story for you in our final segment. Stay tuned. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, 
We'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Welcome back to Sports Business Radio in our final segment. We're following up here on a story that we talked about a couple months ago, which we all had a pretty good laugh about Marcin Gortat. And he was was sporting the old Jordan brand tattoo on his calf, but he's sponsored by Reebok. Well, we find out this week through Darren Ravel that Reebok will no longer be providing Mr. Gortat free shoes anymore. Like I said, he had the Jordan brand tattoo on his calf during the NBA Finals and said that Reebok was not paying him enough to cover it up. Well, we found out Reebok wasn't paying him anything. He was just getting some free sneaks. So now he probably has to find some new shoes, Bobby. Absolutely, and I think it's only a matter of time, seriously, before Nike and or Brand Jordan contact him and say, hey, listen, we appreciate you uh, rocking our tattoo and rocking our logo during the playoffs. Here's some money, not a lot, but here's some cash, and uh, we'll kick in some shoes for you. We appreciate you doing that, and the fact that you were a Reebok athlete, we appreciate it even more now that you uh, signed with us. Well, Reebok came out and said that before all this, they were actually in talks to sign him and give him a little bit of dinero. So might have been a bad financial move on Gortat's part. Bobby, you think Nike's going to pick this guy up? I really do, and listen. If they really wanted to sponsor him, they should have ponied up the dollars in the finals. Listen, I'm sure if you had paid him by the time the finals rolled around, he would have covered the tattoo up. But listen, Nike's got to step up now and sign this guy because it's one of those kind of funny stories. And it'd be the perfect ending to kind of the crazy story of the NBA finals from last year. I completely agree. Well, we'll keep you posted if there's anything left to keep you posted on with this situation. Well, thank you very much for tuning to Sports Business Radio. Of course, we want to thank our guests Brian will be back next week, but Bobby Corser was in studio with me, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and a special thank you to our guest, Maury Brown with the Biz of Baseball. Always good to catch up with him. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Moose Tracks Ice Cream, always sounds great, especially when it's 104 in Portland, Oregon. It sounds delicious on a day like today. Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can check our show on demand via podcast every single week by going to sportsbusinessradio.com and clicking on the podcast page. As I mentioned, Brian is touring the Philippines right now. He's blogging as much as he can over the next week while he's over there with the head coach of the Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra, talking about his experience and what it's like traveling around the Philippines with Coach Spolstra. I'm Nathan Roach. Berger will be back in this seat next week. I'll be on the other side. But thank you very much for listening to Sports Business Radio. Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. 
Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000. The year before you bought the Mavericks, they were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. 